Good morning, church. Uh, we're going to start with a quiz. So uh, through the years, you know, we've been here about two years, we talk a lot about mission and purpose and kind of a distinction between what's our purpose and what's our mission. So here's a quiz. As a Christian, as a human, as a person called by God, what is your purpose for existing and having a soul? What is our purpose? To glorify God. What did Jesus said the greatest commandment is? To love God. So our purpose, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said eternal life is what? That you know the Father. Our purpose is to know and love God in an intimate relationship. That's our purpose. But if it ends there, then why wouldn't God just appear to people, save them, take them to be in a loving relationship with him? Why does he leave us here? Because there's a mission that stems out of our purpose that is why we're still here. What's our mission? Make disciples. Share Christ. Yeah, on the wall. <laughs> Love others. Our mission is to go make disciples. Our mission is to take this awesome life that we find in Jesus Christ and nowhere else and share it with others. That's why you're still here, if you didn't know that. I mean, you're here also to be in a loving relationship with your family, to do good work when you work, uh, to take care of the earth. I mean, all these, to reproduce, uh, all these are other purposes, but our real mission is to spread Jesus to others. So, with that in mind, we uh, have invited a guest speaker today. His name is Bo. Uh, last year, we went to a conference, and Katie and Alex both heard Bo speak, and he was so great that we called him and asked him to come. Because our mission is to bring others into a relationship with Jesus. And so we need to get better at that. That can be a hard thing to do. Let's be totally honest. Sometimes it can be awkward. Um, and so Bo wrote a book called Beyond Awkward, right? Yeah, so perfect. Um, so we've invited Bo. So if you have trouble sharing your faith or, or getting, you know, trying to work through that, Bo is going to help us with that today. And after the service, we're going to have a workshop. So it's going to be like a lecture lab model, right? Lecture now, lab after the service. We're going to have food, so hang out, eat, and then we'll do the lab portion of this lesson. Um, but we're praying that God will do great things through this for his glory. So, Bo, it's all you. All right, thank you. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? All right, cool. Hey, thanks for letting me be here today. This is fun. Good to see you all. Hopefully I get to meet you at the lab, as they say. Uh, let me just say a quick note on that. It, it'll be about an hour and a half with lunch. It is very interactive. We'll be in group discussions. I'll have worksheets. So if you're the kind of person that's here that's like, I would love some more practical help about how to talk about my faith in an engaging way, we're going to do that. I've done this workshop a lot. I promise you will not fall asleep and you will not be bored. So I hope you come. Okay. Uh, with that, let me introduce myself a little more. Uh, I am married. I don't know if I have a slide of my family, but uh, I'm married. I have uh, three children, eight, six, and almost four. Uh, my wife and I work full-time with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Anyone heard, heard that ministry before? Okay. Uh, InterVarsity Quick Scope is uh, on 700 campuses in America and in 49 states, but it's not in Louisiana. And so I've just moved to Louisiana. Uh, and we've been asked to give about the next 10 years of our life to put a foundation on uh, ministry for InterVarsity across the 38 campuses that are there. I promise I won't start with all 38 at once, but I could use your prayers. So that's a little bit about me. 
Um, I did not grow up as a Christian. I was in the Seattle area. I went to the University of San Diego on a golf scholarship. And I like to say I was going for the girls in the golf, and then I met God. And uh, since then, I've just been passionate about helping people talk about their faith. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to help people talk about Jesus. Why did no one tell me about Jesus for 18 years? What's going on? When you find something so incredible, not, not in this weird pressuring, you know, got to follow God way, but how come I didn't know about a personal relationship with God? How come I didn't know about forgiveness of sin? How come I didn't know about this family in the kingdom of God? What in the world? It just exploded in me that I want to talk about this and I want to help people learn how to talk about it in a winsome way. There should not be people that are 18 years old that have never heard about Jesus and had the invitation to follow him. I mean, and that was me. It's just ridiculous. So I'm mad um, and that, that's why I'm here. Okay. So it's, it's not good to lead out of anger, but uh, I'm still working on that. So a few years ago, uh, I was on an airplane flying from Southern California up to Seattle to visit my family. And it was one of those evening flights, probably seven o'clock or so, a couple hour flight. And, you know, if you've been on an airplane at night, they always put the lights down, right? It's quiet time. It's sleeping time. It is not talking time, right? And it's always annoying when people are talking when the lights are down. Well, I'm in the middle seat, which is also annoying. And this guy's on the window seat, and he turns to me, and he goes, uh, hey, do you want to talk? And I'm like, you have no idea who you're sitting next to. Uh, and I go, yeah, what do you want to talk about? And he goes, well, honestly, I'm a Himalayan tour guide, and I spend all my time in the mountains touring people up and down, and I don't get to talk much, but when I'm on planes, I like to talk to people about the deeper things of life. He's like, I'm trying to figure out who God is. And I go, you have no idea who you're sitting next to. He goes, I just like to ask people about their philosophy on life or deeper spiritual questions, a worldview. Like, I'm trying to piece it together. What do you think? And he's kind of loud and a little bit aggressive. And, and I'm loud. And, and, and all of a sudden, I just get overcome with this fear of, like, we are annoying everyone on this plane. You know, like, the guy in front of me is like, you know, hearing me yelling in his ears and the person behind me. And I just kind of have this flash forward vision of baggage claim. We're like, who are those annoying guys when the lights were down and we're supposed to be sleeping and reading quietly, talking about Jesus. And I don't know what happened, but in the middle of that, I just got gripped with fear and I didn't want to talk about God. I was like, we can't do this, man. It, it, this is inappropriate. I didn't say that, but that's how I was feeling. Like, we should quiet down or, you know, here's my number. Let's talk about it later. And I just completely evacuated the conversation. I don't remember how. I just remember I got off that plane and I realized I am such a wuss. I didn't talk to him. I didn't go in. I, I wasn't bold. I, I was so worried about what people were going to think about me that I just shut it down. It, the conversation literally felt, you know when you have someone fall on the ground on the airplane and then it rolls down the aisle? You go, oh, I'm never getting that pacifier back, right? <laughs> That's what happened in my spiritual conversation. It just fell down and then rolled down the airplane, never to be seen again. And I left that night so frustrated that I blew it. But then I thought, how many of us are blowing it like that? You ever had a conversation or a moment where you know God's inviting you to talk? Maybe it's even set up perfectly 
Someone from the Himalayan mountains is asking you spiritual questions. And you're so nervous, you're so scared, you're so tense, you're so worried about screwing it up, you're so worried about looking weird that you just shut it down. You ever had a moment like that? Where you're just embarrassed about God, you're embarrassed about yourself, uh, you feel like you don't know enough, and so you just, you're silent. You're, you're a silent Christian in that moment. You've been there. Take that moment. Well, today is about helping us avoid those moments forevermore, okay? How, how do we become the kind of people, while we want to talk about God and we want to do so relationally, that we don't get choked anymore with fear and paralyzation and tension that says, shut it down, okay? That's the point of today. I'm going to inspire you this morning and bring you into some scripture, but then in the afternoon, we're literally going to workshop how do we become the kind of people that can have winsome conversations that lead to conversations about Christ? Okay, we're going to do that. So we're going to look at a story about a guy today in scripture that did not blow it like I did on that airplane. That did not blow it like you've been doing in your life. No offense, don't be mad at me, but it's true. And he actually had a powerful encounter with someone that was unexpected. He let God move him into position to actually have a powerful conversation about Jesus that led to this guy's conversion. I want more moments like that. You want more moments like that. So what can we learn from this guy's story that could help us be the kind of people that move beyond the awkward and into breakthrough when it comes to conversation and Jesus impacting people's life. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay, you know, I hope you're excited about this. Lord, would you come today and would you meet us powerfully? If someone's here or someone's are here that's like me when I was young, don't know Christ. They're here wondering, what's the deal with this? Why are these people raising their hands to an invisible source? I pray that you'd speak to those that are questioning, that are journeying, that are wondering, is God even real? And God, for the rest of us here that do know you, that do worship you, that do follow you, that are excited about your work in our life, would you help us know how to talk about you in more helpful, winsome, and natural ways? God, would you come and move powerfully? Would you bring the scripture of life now as we talk about it in Jesus' name? So in Acts 8, you can go to Acts 8, 26. I think we've got a scripture on here. I just want to start with this one verse. Now, an angel, foe the Lord. <laughs> nice try, but I can't even deal with typos. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We're in a story that, that's about to, to be this guy, Philip, who is intersecting this amazing guy that is seeking out the Lord. But it starts here in Acts 8, 26 with this line that's very easy to read over quickly to get to the meat and potatoes of the story. But this line is incredibly powerful. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Just go south, man. That's right. <laughs> Finally, someone listens to something I say. Um, right? He, he is given this direction from the angel of the Lord. Just go south down a desert road. Okay. That's weird. Right? Just what, what's the freeway that goes south here? 395. 395. Just go south down 395. How many of you would obey that? Probably one of you in this church. Okay. 
he gets this direction from the angel. Just start heading south, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And what's incredible about this is that if, if you look at the backstory, the beginning of Acts, this brother is not looking for things to do. The beginning of Acts, he is actually leading a church plant in Samaria. Remember how in the, the Gospels, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to go to Samaria and they're avoiding by going to lunch and they have the woman at the well encounter. And then the beginning of Acts, he says, well, my, my kingdom is even going to go to the ends of the earth, including Samaria. Well, now they're in Samaria in Acts 8 and he's leading a breakthrough. There's miracles happening. There's salvations happening. Uh, healings, demons are being cast out. This is like the church planner's dream and nightmare at the same time, okay? It's busting at the seams, and it's in this moment. Acts 20, 8, 26 comes and says, hey, Philip, just go south. Leave everything you're doing, your busy life, your busy ministry, and go south down the road. I'll tell you why later. Just go south. And he is able to do that, which is incredible. The, the first thing I want to say, if we're going to be the kind of people that actually step into breakthrough moments with God and help people learn who Jesus is and have encounters with him, we have to be people that know and believe that God speaks to and sends his witnesses. God speaks to and sends his witnesses. Philip was very busy, yet in the middle of his busy life, he was able to be directed to a place that really was so unclear, just go south. You're busy. I'm busy. We have lots of things going on. It is very easy to, to have the excuse, whether it's spoken or internal, that says, I'm already full. My work schedule's full. My family schedule's full. My hobbies are full. I don't have any more time for things. And we all, unintentionally, unintentionally, we do this. We just start putting God in our schedule. Well, where can God fit here? And some of that is actually very strategic, right? We want to honor God with our work and our school and our hobbies and our family, of course. But what about the part of God that says, even though you're busy, I'm going to ask you to go here because I'm planning something. I'm going to ask you to go here because a breakthrough is going to happen and I need a witness in this position. If we're going to see breakthrough moments with faith and seeing people come to Christ around us, in this area, which I understand is very unchurched, it is going to be because first, you're a church that understands God speaks to and sends people. Now, there's two kinds of sending. There's a general revelation. We know from scripture, we know God's already sent us. We know that he's called us as witnesses in Acts 1.8. We know in the, in the gospels, in all of the gospels, there's the great commission, go and make disciples. No one else needs to tell you as a Christian that you're sent. That, that's part of the general revelation of God. You're sent. But then there's this idea of specific revelation. So as a church that is sent, that, that is on mission, you're always looking for opportunities to share or integrate Christ in your life. That's awesome. But inside of that, what does it look like to be a church that is constantly asking, God, who are you sending me to? Where are you sending me today? And I'd ask you just to write that question down. God, where are you wanting to send me? Is there any different direction you have? We're going to get into this more in the, in the workshop, but he sends him first generally south. Sometimes God might say, I want you to change jobs. I want you to move to this new neighborhood. I want you to move to this new city. Uh, I want you to, to start hanging out with this kind of people or go to this club. And it's just, it's almost general. Like, why? 
And the logical Western part of us is just like, well, I'm not going to do it unless it makes sense. But as we move, then he gets specific and starts showing you why are you here? So God speaks to and sends his witnesses. Let's keep going. So he started out, he hears this angel of the Lord and he's obedient. He goes out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, ask Derek later what a eunuch is. An important official in charge of the treasury of the Candic. So this guy is an official. He's not Jewish. He's from another culture. He's traveling, a, a very serious, prominent person of another culture outside the faith. Okay, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he'd been to temple and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. How many people go to church and are trying to read scripture and are utterly confused about what's going on? How many people have gone to temple? How many people are trying to figure out who God is and they're on their own in their proverbial chariot, whatever space they're in, going, what the heck does all this mean? A lot. A lot. This area might be 90% unchurched, but there's a high percentage of people that have serious spiritual questions, that have had a conversation with another believer, that have been to church once or twice, and are thinking, gosh, how does all this make sense? But they're alone, they're in their place of culture, their chariot, and they're wondering what is going on. How is anyone going to help that person? God's going to send them. God's going to send a witness right into their track, right into their path. And they're going to become an incredible interpreter for him. So watch as this goes. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chair reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip. So Philip's going south. And there's this guy who's reading his scripture. And he's been to temple. And he's trying to figure out what all this means. And the Lord says, oh, go stand next to that chariot. And stay near it. Okay. Is the chariot moving? Or is it? Stationary. Who thinks the chariot's moving? Okay, who thinks it's stationary? Okay, how would it feel to have the Lord say to you, just go stay near that chariot? Both are weird. <laughs> if it's moving, then you're kind of running along this desert road with this guy in his big chariot, reading the scripture, and he's regal. And if it's still, and the guy's just reading and taking a break in the shade, and you're just kind of... <laughs> Okay, this is getting weird, all right? But the, the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord had said, go south, and now I'm telling you, go stay that near it, stay near that chariot. Keep going. So he's, then, oh, then Philip ran up to the chariot, ran up to the chariot, and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. So now Philip's budding in, okay? Yo, dude, you understand what you're reading up there? Because it probably was high. Uh, well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. Re spiritual things are so confusing. Christian things are so confusing to people that are not believers. I remember when I first became uh, curious about God, I didn't understand how to read the Bible. I didn't understand what those little line, those verse, those numbers were. I mean, it's intimidating to show up at a religious thing and have my Bible and be like, well, where do I even start? Or... What if they start praying and then I have to pray? I don't know how to pray. I don't even want to talk out loud about God. I mean, it is confusing. It is intimidating for someone just to show up and just say, here's all my questions. Can you help me? I would like to enter the kingdom of God today. It just doesn't happen. God has to send someone in 
to become an interpreter, to become an icebreaker, to make it comfortable for there to be a true seeking and interpretation and understanding to go on. And I love how the Spirit is doing that here. And he sends him in, and the guy says, well, how can I understand? I don't, I don't, this is my turn, I don't get what those little numbers are on the Bible, right? Unless someone explains to me, I don't get this message. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now Philip's in his chariot. And this is the passage of, of scripture that eunuch was reading. Keep going. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Keep going. <coughs> Next. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, uh-oh, we missed a slide. Go back. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Keep going. <laughs> As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch was rejoicing. He wasn't frustrated that this guy interrupted his day. He wasn't upset the guy had shared the gospel with him. He wasn't, those Christians are so crazy that they would talk to me about Jesus. No, he went away rejoicing because God had sent a witness into his life at the perfect time to help him interpret what was going on. God is going to do that in this church. He's going to do that in this area. He is going to speak to some of you. He is ascending God. He's a speaking God. And he's going to put you in someone's path that is going to be so thankful that you're helping them figure out the spiritual things that when you're done with your conversation or encounter with them, how small or long of a time that is, they're going to be rejoicing that God sent you into their life. That is true. And that will happen. Now I lost my spot. Oh, Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Incredible story that starts with the spirit and the angel sending a witness. In the middle, the seeking person and the witness intersect and, and come together for this dynamic conversation. And then it ends with the uh, seeker leaving as a believer, rejoicing and actually asking for his own baptism. I mean, incredible dynamic story that we're going to unpack for the rest of the day. What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with mission? What does this have to do with conversion? What are the roles that are in play here? How does God make something like this happen today in our world, in our church, in our city? This can happen, folks. This was not meant to just be a one-time event. It's meant to inspire faith and show us how God works how a witness works, how seekers are looking for help. And we're going to talk about that for the rest of the day. So if the first point is that God will speak to and send his witnesses, so we need to know. The second thing that I want to ask you is, will we obey even when it gets weird? Right? It's one thing to say, God, send me. I want to go. Send me down. 395, is that what it is? Send me down 395. I want an adventure. I'm bored. Or, God, send me into people's lives. I want to help them understand who God is. 
Give me someone to explain the gospel to. I'm ready, God. And then he says, well, I just want you to go down that freeway a little bit. And then I'm going to show you there's this actual, there's this car parked in a Target. And I'm going to ask you to go stand next to it. You're like, heck, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, not only are you going to stand next to it, but you're going to hear worship music inside their car. And you're going to knock on the window and say, excuse me, do you understand what you're listening to in there? I'm going to say, no, how can I? Get in the car. Let's talk. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's what happened. Am I right? So you're like, yes, I want God to speak to me. I want God to use me. I want to help people know Jesus. And then he's going to speak to you something weird. And you're going to say no. You actually are already saying no. It's not as dramatic as go down the freeway and go to Target and stand next to a car. But God has already spoken some things to some of you that have made you uncomfortable, that have made you feel like this couldn't be God. This seems weird. It seems a little pushy. It seems a little out of control. And you've shut it down. But he's actually been trying to align you for an interception. He's tr- been trying to align you for an encounter. Because, yes, you need, I like to say, you need to pay the awkward bill. Christians pay the awkward bill. Right? When you go to dinner with a generous person, they usually pay the bill. Hopefully. When it comes to the mission of God, Christians pay the awkward bill. Take the awkwardness off the seeker. Put it on you. So God's going to put the awkward bill on you. He's going to speak to you things that might be a little weird or confusing or uncomfortable to position you into the life of someone who's seeking. He didn't make the Ethiopian do all the awkward gymnastics. He made Philip go and get right in the guy's path. So that there could be an encounter. Some of you, not only is God going to speak to and send you, some of you already has. And you've been shutting it down because you have believed that God is a God of comfortability. You've created an idol of comfortability, which looks like this before you get too mad at me. God does things that make sense. God does things that are comfortable. God does things that emotionally feel good. No one's doing it on purpose, but we orient God around. He would never do things that are weird and that would make me uncomfortable or someone else uncomfortable. That is a complete lie. Go through your Bible in the Gospels and just read Jesus' mission through the lens of harmony and comfortability. And you will see he is so uncomfortable at times. Hey, woman, what are you drinking? Or can I have a drink? Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. You're a man. I'm a a Samaritan. We shouldn't be talking... Well, yeah, why don't you go get your husband and come back? I mean, what? Right, or he's casting demons out. I mean, he's just talking about strange things at times. Why? Because there's a breakthrough that's about to happen. So for me, when I was in San Diego, uh, one of the awkward moments that happened for me is I'm coming home from church, and I lived in the second-story apartment, and there's the first story where this woman lived who was college age. We didn't know her very well, but we knew she was a gigantic partier. And we knew that because at three in the morning, we would hear the do, 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 right? And glasses break or people are yelling. And we're like, man, there's something going on down there. And we're coming back from church. And it's about uh, 1245. I know that because I had an important meeting at one o'clock. And the important meeting was a Seahawks game. <laughs> I don't miss a game. Where's my bro? Where's my boy? Okay. Uh, and these missionaries come out from the first sto- floor apartment, this woman, this young college, and they're, they're dressed in their missionary clothes. And I decide, okay, I got 15 minutes. I'm going to stop these guys for 10 minutes, figure out what they're talking to my neighbor about. This is so strange. 
And I talk to these guys, and I come to find out that with the World Mission Society, and what the World Mission Society believes is that the second coming of Christ has already happened. And it's actually a Korean woman. And, they're in, and it, she's in Korea. She's actually died now. But the second coming has come. It's this Korean woman. She's died. But the movement is in Korea. They've appointed a next successor. And this, it's happened, and you've got to go to Korea, and you've got to know about Christ because he's come back, and the end is near. Okay? That's what they're telling. And I'm just like, this is so weird. And I'm trying to debate them, and they're, not, they're, they're stuck in their ways. But I got enough information that I could help my neighbor. So I'm like, okay. Five minutes till the game starts. Hey, guys, got to go. Got a meeting. Uh, got to get out of here. <laughs> so I'm going up my stairs. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I just sense the Holy Spirit like this. Say, go talk to your neighbor right now. <sighs> no, I don't want it. Okay? I, 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 my, my game is starting. This is very important to me. Uh, this is weird. Like, she just talked to these really weird guys. I don't even know her. I've done a bad job of neighboring, okay? I don't even know her name. Uh, I don't want to be the follow-up to that guy, okay? I mean, just lots of things are going through me emotionally that I'm like, no. But I've had enough experience with this, and I'm like, fine. So I turn around. I go down. I knock on her door. Door flies open. She's like, thought I was those guys, right? And I go, listen. What those guys said to you is a bunch of crap. Oh, man, I didn't, I don't, I don't know why I said that. And I go, well, I'm sorry, my name is Bo. Good, you know, good to meet you. And, and, and I go, no, but seriously, those guys are wacko. Don't listen to anything they have to say. My wife and I, we love Jesus. We're Christians. If you have any spiritual interests, you got to talk to us, okay? Come up to our apartment, and we'll have a wine night or wine and cheese or whatever you do. We'll talk about God on your comfortable terms. Like, just don't listen to those guys. But I got to go. I got a meeting, you know. Uh, I mean, literally. And she goes, well, what do you think about gay people? Oh. Dude, okay, not only is that one of the hardest questions in our culture right now, that is, takes way longer than two minutes now. I don't miss kickoff. Okay, I'm a, and I said, well... I got a meeting here in two minutes, but uh, um, I gave her my, you know, quick, quick explanation of that most because that's just appropriate at that time. She doesn't need a theological discourse on human sexuality. But I gave her my, my view, and I said, listen, we love all people. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care where you come from. If we want to start getting into the life of Jesus, absolutely he has things to say about human sexuality and what it means to follow and let God into that, to shape that. I go, let's not start there, though. We probably should start with who Jesus is. Um, and she goes, well, that's a pretty good answer. She goes, my dad's a fundamentalist Christian, and my sister's a lesbian, and, I can't and he hates gay people, and I can't associate with anyone that does. Wow, right? So there's a lot there with hurt, pain. I said, I completely understand. I hate to hear that. That's not me. I have got to go. Um, do, do, do you like to read? Yeah, yeah, I like to read. I brought her some books real quick. Got back up. This was pre-DVR or something. Um, and we ended up having this great relationship where she started coming to our church and getting into an investigative class. We do the Gospel of John. We like to do the seven signs of John and help her see belief. And she was going through that for a few months. Didn't come to Christ, uh, but got more interested, had a positive Taste in her mouth with Christians, and then she just moved. And I never saw her again. 
Incomplete story. But I tell you that because think about the points in that story where I could have just blown off the Holy Spirit. For good reasons, for selfish reasons, for hobby reasons. But I decided, okay, I'll let you direct me there. My question is, where is God calling you that might be weird? Where's a moment that you've had that you've blown off or you're going to have this week that might be uncomfortable, might be inconvenient, might be tension-filled, that he's saying, no, 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 just go. Go talk to that person. Go, go to that area. Go work at that coffee shop. Go move in that neighborhood. I don't know what he's going to say. And you're like, why? This is weird. This is inconvenient. This isn't the right time. Please just go. And then you get there and I have this dynamic conversation with my neighbor. Or you get there and there's a guy reading his Bible and he's wanting to invite you in for interpretation. I don't know why, but he's going to send you out into places. But he's going to ask you to do things that might be weird, that might be uncomfortable, that might make you say, through your lens of the idol of comfortability, this wouldn't be God. But as you reorient to the mission of God, you go, that's absolutely God, and I'm going to obey it. And I don't understand why. And I don't feel completely comfortable about it. But he's going to lead to a breakthrough. Someone's life is going to be changed. Someone is waiting for a witness, and God's making you pay the awkward bill. Okay? Now, as we continue, how can we obey even if it's weird if we don't understand where awkwardness comes through? So I'm going to get a little little nerdy for a minute, so just turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get nerdy. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about a few points. I'll keep it to a couple minutes, because I know you all have some meetings to go to. But where does awkwardness come through? I think if we can understand where awkwardness comes through, then we're going to be able to accept it and move beyond it better. And this is my best stab at it. I'm not a social scientist, but I think this will resonate with the common person, which I am. I think awkwardness comes from social rules being broken. We, we, every culture has social rules that are a norm. And it would be an interesting conversation just to sit down and talk about what were the social rules in your family? Or what are the social rules in your country? What are the social rules in your, your ethnic group? We all have different social rules. In the West, we have a collective social rules that I would call the norms. I've distilled it to three. And I think if you're American and you're here, you've learned to adapt to these social rules. Tell me if you agree. The first social rule is don't talk to strangers. It's not normal to talk to strangers. As soon as you try to talk to a stranger, they're like, excuse me? Are you going to shoot me, mug me? Take, why would you ever talk? There's a schedule. Why are you talking to me? I don't know you. Right? And from the other side, we think, you shouldn't talk to them. That's weird. The other day, I knocked on the door of one of my neighbor's house. Now, I'm in Louisiana because I found out the daughter is in the same grade as my son. Pretty normal to go talk to him. My wife was like, you can't just go knocking on people's doors. It's different here in the South. That's very strange. Are you kidding me? Man, why? I was nice, right? We have, this, we have this social norm. Don't talk to strangers. Don't interrupt someone's life. Don't go say hi to them. Number two, don't do things that make people feel uncomfortable. At any moment, you feel an uncomfortability from someone, attention, or yourself, you feel uncomfortable. You are trained. Dial it back. No one should ever feel a, a pinch of tension. That's bad. Are you right? Am I right? Don't talk to strangers. Don't do things that make people feel uncomfortable. And number three, don't press people about what is true or real. 
Don't. Don't talk about what's true or real at all. Whatever you believe is what you believe. What I believe is what I believe. We're relativists in this culture. Don't talk to strangers. Don't do things that make people feel uncomfortable. Don't press people about what is true or real. If you break one of those, it gets a little awkward. If you break two of those, it gets more awkward. You break all three, it gets really awkward culturally. I'm talking to you as a stranger. I'm noticing there's a little tension. And I'm talking about what's truth. And it's like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Whether they feel it or you feel it. Sometimes they don't feel that, but you're feeling it. Like, oh man, I'm getting up in their business. Right? But check this out. All three are broken in this story. Philip talks to the Ethiopian. He runs up next to his chariot. That's kind of uncomfortable. And he shares with him the gospel and helps him understand it. He's reorienting his worldview and his truth. Let me go further. The Great Commission breaks all three of these rules. The Great Commission says go everywhere. Social rules say stay in one place. Your sphere. The Great Commission says make disciples. Culture says mind your business. The Great Commission says teach people to obey. Social rules say religious liberty. Whatever you want to believe is fine. Right? And here's my whole point. Who initiates for the sake of love, in the sake of transformation, social rules being broken. Jesus, the Spirit of God. He breaks into the woman at the well's life, talks to a stranger, gets real uncomfortable because he's crossing cultures. He's a man. She's a prostitute. He's a holy man. He gets real uncomfortable in that. And then he actually talks to her about truth. He asks her to go get her husband, which is weird. And then he says, she says, well, I know when the Messiah comes, I'll know the truth. And he says, he starts talking about that they spirit and worship and truth. He's breaking all three of those. Why? Because he wants an encounter with her, a breakthrough with her, transformation for her. God sends Philip into this person's life, and he has to break social rules. Why? Not to be a jerk, not to be pushy, not to be annoying, because a breakthrough is about to come, and he's making him pay the awkward bill. So the question we have to leave with today is, will you... Pay the awkward bill. Will you allow God to move you into breaking some social rules for the sake of a breakthrough in other people? Okay, at the workshop, we'll talk about good awkward versus bad awkward. There are just awkward people in awkward situations that are not God-ordained. I understand that. But don't confuse that or create a theology that says God never sends into the awkward and God never disrupts. That's not true. Especially with his witnesses, he will do that. So he will speak to and send, and he will call you into the weird. And let me end with this last story, because I know I'm off time. One of my favorite stories. Uh, I was at the Seahawks game uh, about 10 years ago in Seattle, and I was visiting my family, and I come right out of the Seahawks game, and I get this urgent call from my mom who says, you got to come home right now. Your brother's been thrown in jail. Whoa. Okay. And my brother lived in Idaho. I don't see him much. He's, you know, 10 years older than I am. And he's married to a Japanese woman, doesn't speak a lot of English. And they have two six-month-old twins. My brother's had a history with uh, run-ins, we could just say. Uh, Same mom, different dad. And I get home, and the whole family's frantic. I guess a warrant's out for his arrest. No one knew. He hadn't been in trouble with the law in decades. And he's in jail. It's the 23rd of December, and it's a Sunday. So the 24th and the 25th, it's closed. The jails are closed, and they don't open until the 26th. So he has to sit there 
with no resolution and we don't have any explanation until the 26th. So I'm praying and I just get a sense that there's a wall that's blocking my family's perspective. And I heard the Lord say, there's greater perspective beyond the wall. They can't see far enough. No one in my family is a believer at this point. Just keep praying. The 26th comes and my brother's majorly busted. I'm not going to tell you what he did, but he's in prison for 10 years. And he's majorly busted. And then you're going through this dynamic of no. Oh, yeah. No. Maybe he did. Uh, no. You know, like that whole disorientation. I feel the Lord asked me to stay longer in Seattle. And I send my wife home. And I stay. And now it's the night of the 27th. And my, fam- my, my mom and stepdad go to a holiday party. And I'm there alone with my stepsister-in-law, or half-sister-in-law, Yoshiko and her six-month-old twins, and I help her get them down and all of that. I don't know her very well, okay? And I'm in the kitchen. She's in the living room, and I sense the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go talk to her about the Lord right now. I want you to go talk to her about me right now. And for me, it was like an awkward level of like four or five. It it wasn't ten. It was like, I'm tired. I don't really want to do this, but okay. So I go in, and I say to her, Yoshiko, do you know that I'm a Christian? Yes, I know you're a Christian do you know what that means? And she's like, no, I have no idea what that means. I said, would you like to know? You know, I don't want to bother you, but if you'd like to know, I'd love to tell you right now. And she goes, I would love to know. I've always been wondering. And I sit down and I start talking to her and I first ask her, what do you believe? And she tells me, I believe God is in the corner of the wall. Remember that image I had? And I come to find out now it's this thing called Shinto. They believe in Japan and they get these little idols that they put on their shelves and then they pray to them when they get scared. So she was always thought, I just need to look at the wall and pray at these little things. So I explained to her about Jesus. I explained to her about what he can do for her in this season of suffering and the comfort he brings. And we get to the end of the conversation. And I say, would you like to accept Jesus in your life? Would you like to start a relationship with him, to have a personal relationship with Jesus? And she says, yes. And she's crying. And I pray for her salvation right there that night. And we go to bed. And I'm thinking, gosh, that was crazy. Is that real? Is she just being nice to me? Wake up the next morning, and she kind of gave me the thumbs up. So I'm like, well, that better than a lot of things. I leave, go back, and I come back the next month to kind of follow up with her. And she's got this Bible. And she goes, well, my friend wants to talk to you. I have two friends in Seattle. She's trapped now in Seattle with her twins. My brother's in jail. She doesn't know English. She has no family. She goes, well, I only have two friends. And she goes, one of them wants to talk to you. So I get on the phone, and this lady goes, hello, my name is Sinai. Thank you for leading Yoshiko to the Lord. I am a Japanese evangelist. Excuse me? And she's like, yes, thank you for leading her to the Lord. I have given Yoshiko Japanese Bible, Japanese purpose-driven life, Japanese video testimonies, Japanese church, and we will be getting her Japanese baptism. (laughs) And I'm just like, are you kidding? My sister-in-law gets into this awesome Japanese Bible church. That summer I came back, saw her get baptized. Her daughters are raised as Christian now. My brother in jail has become a Christian. Okay, he's out now as of, you know, five months ago. And we were on a trip last summer, me and her and the girls, and we had to go on a Sunday, and the girls said, can, we were on a boat, and then she goes, they go, can we do church on the boat, Uncle Bo? I mean, they're growing in Christ. It started in that moment. 
And I was the, the voice in that moment, but God had this whole community waiting for her. Right? You don't know how you might trigger the conversion, and then there's a community. You don't know how you might trigger a conversation that will trigger the conversion later. I don't know. I just end with that to say, God wants to speak to and send you, but he might send you into the weird. Will you pay the awkward bill? Will you say, I'll break some social norms as I'm led by the Holy Spirit so that we might see people come to Christ? People in your family, people at your work, people in your school. He is going to use this church to lovingly help seeking and questioning people know who Jesus is. So let me pray for us because I'm very sorry I've gone 10 minutes over time. Lord, I just pray for this church. Would you please fill the people here that are following you with an excitement, with a boldness, with a joy, with an anticipation to say, God, use me. I'll pay the awkward bill. I'll, I'll follow you wherever you call. Send me into someone's life that is questioning, that is seeking, like Philip, like my sister-in-law, Yoshiko, like my neighbor. Where are those people here, Lord, in Carson City, Menden? Where are those people? Send us to them. And I just also want to pray for anyone here that relates more to the Ethiopian. You might be here searching. And if I was to say to you, do you want help? Do you want help understanding? Would you invite us into your life to help you understand the things of God? And you're going in your heart, yes, I want that. I just want you to know, come talk to me after church. Come talk to, to someone in, in the church, a leadership, and say, would you please help me? The beautiful thing about this passage is that the Ethiopian was inviting as well. So if you're here and you're searching and you're curious, the best thing you can do is invite someone in to help you journey. And this church wants to help you do that too. So God, we pray for the seeking people here that they would be bold in inviting people to help them. And we pray for the Christians here that they would be bold in following your spirit, starting conversations, and seeing and anticipating breakthrough in the city and surrounding neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen.